podcast diving into all of the news you need to know from the weeby world and perhaps slightly beyond. I'm one of your hosts, as always, Joe Reese, and I am joined by the man with a million figurines, Steve the Save Point Cosplayer. Joe, great to be here. Put it for one million and two figures. I purchased two new babies for my shelf, and we're going to be talking about them soon. You love to hear it. We're going to be talking about them right now, Steve. I'm popping up the links. I don't think I've seen these yet. Okay, no, this one you had sent me before, but maybe this other one we'll see. So, who'd you buy, Steve? I got, and it's no surprise, but let me give you a story, the reason why. I did get the new Kenshin and Shishiro figures that were actually, you know, premiered on, was a pop-up parade is a new series of figures that were easily to collect. Yeah. And I have never really seen, I have seen some at convention centers. And the thing is, is that usually they're at the top shelf. And that usually means that they're collecting dust up there because they're really expensive. And no, the salesperson's not pulling those down because no one's asking for them. Because all weebs are essentially poor because they buy too many figures. And the ones I've seen typically go for like, $300 or so. Now they're kind of big and hefty, uh, like a Kenshin figure. And I've, I'm like, "Ah, do I really want to spend $300 on a figure? I have spent over $200. So it's definitely within that realm. 300, maybe a little bit too much, but saw these two figures. Shishio never saw him as a figure. Love him. And Kenshin too. And I said, why not? It's been a while. I've been talking a lot about getting new figures and I had to finally put my money where my mouth was. Looks pretty good. Looks like a dangerous one to get. He's got, of course, Shishio, if you are unfamiliar, is wrapped in m- multitude of bandages because he's been burned all over his body. Uh, and so this figure does have many of those bandages kind of like floating around him and flying around. Seems pretty... You're going to have to be careful with this one, Steve. It's going to be a, a bitch to really dust. I take care of my figures. They trust me. And I have to treat them with respect. And every figure like this, or typically the poses they have where you know the hair is swooshing, always a pain to dust. But you know what? It's the life I lead. Gotta get it done. Gotta be neat. Yeah, you know, you you, you chose your master and you chose him well. So that's that's what it is. But I did I did take a little peek at this other one, Steve. Let me. You ordered <laughs> you ordered this one. I did not. Oh. I did not know. Oh, I just no. saw the. So, I just so, saw the so, price. Ex- explain it. Explain it. So this is Darling in the Franks, which we don't speak too much about, but still hold in pretty high regard. But we'll talk about that in just a second. This is Zero Two, the female lead of Darling in the Franks. Just in the most extra- extravagant, gorgeous wedding dress possible, holding a giant bouquet of flowers and a spear. She's about to go do some fighting during all of this. This is gorgeous. And it would make sense that it's gorgeous because it is $329.99 gorgeous. So you're getting some quality with this one, Steve. Listen, Zero Two, she, you know, she's she's dressed for business and pleasure. She's dressed... 
to go out, have a wedding with, what was it, uh, Hiro? I forgot. <laughs> who even knows? Uh, who gives who a shit about knows? Who gives a shit about the main character's name? I don't know. Any, anyone, insert yourself. I think his name is Hiro. And, and you know, she's with a spear because obviously after this wedding, she's going to go kill some monsters. Oh, yeah, it's totally gorgeous. Loved it. Thought about it for a hot second. Be like, should I really get this? Should I really spend the rest of my Biden bucks on it? And I thought, no, because that's a lot. You know, I went with the two figures. And I also I also do want to say, too, the reason why I, I really immediately purchased the Kenshin and Shishio figures because they're a set. And I love that. You'll notice a lot of my figures. If you ever come and visit listeners, if you ever become my friend, you met me at a convention and somehow we actually do hit it off. And I trust you to actually even like come over for a beer. A lot of my figures are in sets. So uh, definitely a high premium for that. But Darling the Franks, whew, I mean, I do, I do have a zero two figure. That's it. I know. I do. Oh, I know. I'm just going to say it. We've been having a little behind the scenes talk about this anyway, but since Darling in the Franks and Zero Two is so prominently displayed right now, I feel bad, Steve. Zero Two was robbed, and I'm having second thoughts, and now that I have the benefit of hindsight, I demand a recount. Zero Two needs to be moved up higher on the waifu watch. Listen, I will only allow a revisit of Zero Two if our if our Senate parliamentarian Nick Hurtaco is able to rule on that, who is our co-anchor who sometimes drops in for his TikTok announcements. So we'll have to go we'll have to ask him. He has to look through the Wee Weekly Constitution and see if it's possible. We'll have to ask him, but I'm eyeing some people here that I think I think Zero Two, and this isn't even a joke. There are some people here that I think Zero Two should be above, like Krim from Interspecies Reviewers. We agreed on it together. I, I, I know. I know. Hey, man, it's the heat of the moment. You're in the podcasting. I don't remember half the shit I say on this podcast sometime, but you're telling me Zero Two is better than us? Or no, Zero Two is not as good as Asuna from Sword Art Online? No, no way. Absolutely not. Zero two. Yeah, yeah no, you're, you Zero are two is not near awesome. Uh, listeners, Zero two on our wife will watch right now is at a 21. I, I had a look down. I was like, top 10? No, keep going, keep going down, keep going down. Okay, yeah, 21. Ooh, yeah. She was the first one on the list. That's true. We threw her on there just to talk about it. And then. Only Lucy from Fairy Tale, Misa from Death Note, and Kathleen from Giviate are below zero two. I don't know. We've never ranked, re-ranked a character. I'm not sure if it's even possible. That's why I think we have to ask Nick if it's possible, our constitution expert on We Weekly. All right. All right. All right. We can also ask the audience. Audience, if you wanna if you are into this. The people can decide. Let us know. Should we re-rank Zero Two from Darling in the Franks? But I will also tell you some housekeeping, of course, that you can find a new episode of Weeb Weekly every single Wednesday at 12 noon Eastern. We are streaming on all of those podcast apps that you could possibly find us on, whether that be Spotify, whether that be Apple Podcasts, whether that be One Republic. That's a band, not a podcast app. <laughs> but you can probably find us there. I don't know. But whatever. Go there. Download. Subscribe. Review. Let the algorithm love us so that we can keep bringing you that weeby goodness each and 
every week. I believe we both watched a show this week. Oh, Steve, we did. That I'd love to talk about. I think this may be its own news segment. It probably is. It probably it very well might be, but it's definitely something that we need to we need to hash out because pretty massively, I would say. I saw a lot of buzz about this on the internet leading up to and over the weekend. The first season of Yasuke debuted on Netflix. This is, of course, the retelling of the African samurai Yasuke, who is a real historical figure. It's put into a little bit more of a fantasy setting. We've got mechs. We've got people with fantastical powers. Oscar nominee Lakeith Stanfield voices our main character, Yasuke. We've talked about this show before. We've been very excited about this show. Darren Chris, just going to shout out right now, is freaking awesome as a robot on this show. Loved him so much. But... There's probably a lot to talk about with this show, Steve. Steve, what did you think about this show? Uh, I saw the first two episodes of this show, and I'm ready to drop it because I absolutely hated it. Oh, you haven't finished it? No, because I don't even want to. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then, okay, talk to me. Talk to me. Because I I will say I finished it. I watched it all in one go. It's only six episodes. I just Sunday afternoon, I got done working. I had to work a little bit in the in the early afternoon, and then I was like, you know what? Six episodes, all about half an hour. I can knock this out, no sweat. So I just did it all in one go. I liked it, didn't love it. I think it's a good proof of concept. It struck me as like a concept album almost, where it's like, okay, there's I, I can see some of the hits going on here. I liked it as a proof of concept of what could be more. As a season of television, as a cohesive, coherent season of television, maybe not as good. I viewed it as wasted potential. I felt I was sold to build a lies on this show. And I looked back on the trailers. Now, the reason why I'm so sour on this show is I thought that this would be the retelling and coming up, coming up of a. Uh, Yasuke, how he became from servant to samurai. That is not this show. We really only get a few flashbacks of him during his time with Nobunaga. And that is the only time I really do like it. We immediately cut to, I want to say present day, 20 years later, where there are robots from the Mongols, which you joked on our podcast, on our podcast, on our um chat where it's like the, the great opening sentence and then like the mongols attack with their me- with giant, with giant mech so this is what i feel like i feel that the creator if i pull this up right here lashon i felt like he seen saw a few anime and threw everything at the wall and be like yeah this sure this goes in anime we have robots we have magical powers we have historical setting with nobunaga which is in a billion anime and i do not think it sticks well i think the science fiction is way out of place was not in the trailers i watched the trailers before not in the trailers the robots are stupid where do they come from because like who's making the silicon chips the mongols and 12 1240 are making the silicon chips to have robots not really explained why and you have i understand and i was expecting some type of magical element with it 
I was thinking a little bit like Kenshin. Again, I mean, we're mentioning a lot of Kenshin right now. Obviously, there's some type of whimsical element with Kenshin where, you know, some characters, if they're, like, able to swing really far, fast enough, maybe they can generate some some fire from their sword or whatever. But there's no robots in Kenshin. And I think it's completely out of place. I think it does not serve the character Yasuke. Well, I wanted to see him growing up, how he became a samurai, which is where we only get glimpses in flashbacks and those are the best pieces of the show and finally i how did you watch this in english i did yeah i watched uh, yeah okay i thought the performances were pretty subdued from yasuke himself i'm definitely in agreement with that i definitely i watched it in english because one i love lakeith stanfield wanted to hear that also it was first put into english nyav the dubbing, the dubbing house actually put out a tweet saying we were the first one. This is a special show to us because we are the original voices for this. The Japanese, if you watch it in Japanese, that's the dub. That's a dub because the English track was made specifically for the show that was that was created rather than after the fact, like in most anime's cases. So I wanted to. Yeah, I wanted to watch it for that as well. I am inclined to agree, yes, that Lakeith Stanwold was very subdued. I take I liked that though. Uh I think I think some parts were kind of I know I've only seen two episodes, but when I mean, this is we're talking about the whole show, so if we get into spoilers with uh him telling uh Saki that his that her mother died so monotone be like, "Hey, just want to let you know your uh, mother uh, died. She didn't survive the battle. Sorry to hear about that. Whatever. And I'm like, what? This is really sad for you, for her. And you're just like blurting it out while you're just drinking at a bar. Maybe that's the direction. Guy doesn't care. I, man. Oh, I mean, that's the come that's the direction. On. No, this guy. This this but, is a guy. But he had clearly had a connection with the the necklace. He's like, oh, I remember this person, the clan that I grew up and knew everything and learned everything from Nobunaga with my time with them. And I'm just gonna blurt out to this little girl. I'm sorry, your kid's dead. I mean, your mother's dead i mean what does he do you know after that first episode the mom dies okay spoilers um the mom dies and what's the first thing he does he takes the girl back to the town and he's just like hey guess what we can't do this because your mom was the only one who had that information so sorry we're done like i don't know i i i thought that that was that were those were not my problems with the show. I I liked Lakeith Stanfield's performance. I liked that it was a little it was almost, you know, maybe a little more on the film actor side of things than we're typically used to, especially with dubs and anime. You know, anime dubs are so renowned for being so crazy and over the top, which is a style in and of itself as well, but I liked Lakeith Stanfield's a little rougher performance. It wasn't it didn't seem quite perfect which I kind of liked for the character because the character is kind of when we meet him you know he's kind of given up on everything do you find it weird that the characters view Yasuke as being out of place like oh my god there is an African American or uh, you know African no I'm not sure if he's African American or just you know he's, he's from Africa Bla- living Africa. in Japan he, there's nothing Afri- American about I know America, I doesn't, even, say, I want to America doesn't even exist right now in I apologize show. in that front where at you know African and it's like whoa I've never seen someone with like black skin before this is so odd and weird I'm like 
but you accept the robots being completely normal. You accept the girl who can turn to a werewolf normal, but a guy with black skin. Too weird and crazy for me. I don't think the robots work. Because you're right. They, you know, spoilers again, but it doesn't sound like you're going to really finish the show probably. They're never explained. It's never explained. It's throughout the whole six episodes. It's never it's never explained. But that's where I could. I don't know. That's where I kind of because when the show hits, I think it's pretty good. Like the style of the show, I think, is really cool. I don't know why hip hop and anime go together so damn well. But like all the lo fi hip hop stuff, whenever there's like an awesome sword fight duel and just some lo fi beats are playing behind it, it just works so well. And the animation is gorgeous. Like Mappa, I think, knocked it out of the park, especially some of the fights are just so epically animated. And there's some really cool visual stuff when we start getting more into like Saki's powers. So there, I think there are seeds there that I really liked and I really wanted. I'm with you where I kind of wish it was a little more like, hey, we're seeing Yasuke's rise because that story is so interesting because it is this guy who's this total outsider. And we get hints of it, of him proving himself and discovering this new community and this new world and him trying to find his place in that. That's way more interesting than a guy 20 years after the fact who's given up on everything and gets kind of pulled back into some of these old fights of his. That could be interesting, but it's just not as interesting as watching the guy, the young guy kind of figure it out as he goes on and having those struggles and having those conflicts. So, yeah, I I think, again, it's a good proof of concept and maybe not a great first season. We apparently are getting more Flying Lotus, who did the music for it. Which, again, the music so good. The opening track is so good. Uh, he did tweet out, as it loads, that we hope these six episodes would serve as an introduction to this world and get you hyped for more. We have big plans for Yasuke. It's just the beginning. So it's like, I'd like to see more. It reminds me of Castlevania, where the first season of Castlevania was like four episodes and really didn't feel like a full story it just felt like a hey here's what the style of this show is going to be and then the later seasons really fleshed it out and became so so good so i could see a world where if they really took the time to explain to me why this sci-fi slash 1500s feudal japan are colliding why that's happening if they have a cool reasoning behind it and it's and it's fleshed out could be interesting but you're right the way it is right now it's just like hey there's also robots cool Awesome. Hey, there's also the demon priest. All right, cool. And it's like, yeah, nothing's really explained. So I, I, a few things. Also, I want I want to continue this this topic too. For the animation, first again, Mappa, you know, always doing great work. Found it interesting that it is almost bordering on Avatar: Last Airbender, especially the character faces. Very much so. Definitely, yeah. Saki looks like. The from Legend of Korra, almost the um, Katara, the daughter. I'm thinking of J.K. Simmons's one of J.K. Simmons's daughters in Legend of Korra. So Aang's granddaughter. Oh, I know who you're talking I about. Suppose. Yeah, I don't remember her name, yeah. but I, I know I know who you're talking about. Yeah, Lashawn Thomas worked, I believe, maybe a fact check on this, but I believe he worked at Studio Murr doing Legend of Korra. Well, that would make sense. I think he worked as like a storyboard artist. 
for for them. I think there's a great review on Annie List that says a decent historical fantasy show that didn't have the time to be satisfying historical or fantastical. It just tried to yeah, and I think that sums it up. I think it just tried to do too much. You know, if they too if they had focused on either really telling Yasuke's story, I can see why they did it because so much of Yasuke just from what I know of the history of it, you know, there's a lot of facts unknown about him. We have like some brief sort of mentions of him throughout history to know enough about sort of what the thrust of his life was, but not enough to really know like where he ended up or like a lot of what happened in his early life. There's not a lot there. So I can get why they'd be like, Oh, well if there's not, if there's a lot of gaps in his story, then let's have fun with that. And let's like make this more fantastical to really play with the whole sort of fact versus fiction of it all. But I just don't think it, yeah, again, they didn't commit to any one thing. And so they didn't commit to they didn't commit hard enough to either telling his story as we know it, and they didn't commit hard enough to fleshing out a fantastical world that it all came across as a little muddled. Yeah. I want season two to be a backstory of the Mongols discovering transistors and being able to hash out land deals in let's say I guess, yeah, Mongolia be and being able to get those rare earth materials to make all these robots because apparently that is the main thing that needs to be discovered. Also, I just like the, the priest too where he's like, I need to like control, like the church has to control your earth. I'm like, dude, you don't need this girl. Just get some of these robots. It'll be perfectly fine. Well, you find out that he's not really working for the Catholic priest so or the Catholic church. So. Oh, my God. He's working for the, for the Damio. <laughs> so, um... <clears throat> yeah, I I was kind of hoping that you maybe I'll I might force you to finish it because I I I think I'll I'll, fin- I'll I mean, finish it. It is so short. I'll and I think it. it's so short that I honestly think it's worth I do think it's worth checking out and making your own opinion on cuz I think that, again there's there's cool stuff in there. I will say and the thing I want to get your opinion on the most and this just speaks a lot to the pacing of it and maybe sort of the idea of like, hey, we just had to tell this story in six episodes. Maybe they'll get to flesh it out further down the line. I thought I skipped an episode. Between I've saw people that. have been saying that. I, I haven't seen episode, any episode between five. And apparently, five, I thought I skip. I literally had to like pause it and go back out in the menu and be like, wait, did I just did they just auto skip an episode for me? So people have been saying that online because I haven't done any looking at it. Yeah, dude, it's so disjointed episode four ends he takes Saki to i'm just gonna spoil it for you is that yeah sure he takes Saki to the doctor that they're trying that they were trying to get her to initially they do end up there and it ends with him dropping her off the doctor is sort of this guy who actually yasuke knew from way back in the nobunaga day who's like actually gathering these people with powers to train them as a sort of rebellion against the daimyo so the episode ends with Yasuke being like, cool, I did my job. I'm out of here. I got a, I got a boat to fix. And he's just like, I'm done with this. I wash my hands of this. I don't want to be a part of your fight. And so he leaves. And then the episode actually ends with him actually instead kind of heading towards the border where the Damio's lair is. And we see him knocking out some guards. And then we see him fighting or getting ready to fight some more men, some more soldiers that are coming at him. Episode ends. Cool. So I'm like, okay, cool. That's a cool place. So he like decides to maybe go do this off on his own. That's awesome. Episode five starts. Yasuke is back at the doctor's. 
They're plan. <laughs> he is back there. No explanation. He is planning out a giant battle with the doctor and Saki and the, some of the doctor's other people. And they are literally right outside of the doctor's place. Massive army. And they're preparing They're preparing for this massive battle because their giant army from the Damio has just appeared outside. And it's like, I was like, what? How did Yasuke get back? Why did Yasuke go back? When did this army show up? There was no, it just literally just drops you in it with no explanation. I was straight up just like, I, again, I literally thought I skipped an episode. That is just bad pacing. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that one-on-one bad pacing. Don't yeah. So, again... I I, th- I think I'm more positive on it than you because I do, I, th- I do think there's some good in there. I liked the performances. I liked the style of it, and I loved the the sort of hip hop nature that they brought to to a lot of it. I I just like to see it more fleshed out. You've seen Samurai Champloo, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay, because I'm like, if you haven't seen that, forget about this show. That's watch, the thing. Watch Samurai well, Champloo. Yeah. But that's the thing, man. That's again. I don't know why. Why does hip hop and anime go together so well? Because it works so hard in Samurai Champloo. It works so hard in Afro Samurai. You know, bring, give me more. Bring me it's more. Probably because of the beats per minute. Because typically for a good bop where you're dancing, you want it to be at you know at around 100 120 beats per minute. So I bet if there's some type of like exact average of lo-fi hip-hop that that's probably why it goes with anime pretty well in terms of how the frames animation style is going and it's probably just a little bit of the the contrast as well you know when you're seeing people flinging around with swords fighting while some little more low-key beats are playing behind it it just kind of like yeah it just jives so well it's so good but enough about yasuke I will finish it. It's only I only got four episodes left, and and Netflix will certainly nag me to finish it. Let's talk about Yakuza. You finally have a safe space to talk about Yakuza with our podcast. I gotta talk about this, Steve. I gotta okay. talk about this. I finished up Yakuza. I finished the story of Yakuza like a dragon, like a dragon last night. Yakuza Seven. This is the best Yakuza story. The best one. This is the best. This is the best. Yakuza Even better story. than Zero, which I've told, yeah. which I've been told is one of the best games. Zero is absolutely up there, but I think I think this took the cake for me. I was floored by this ending. I thought it was so phenomenal. I think Ichiban's story is so so well done, and s- like they just immediately established who he was and why he should be the protagonist and why Kiryu shouldn't be the protagonist anymore. This guy's story is amazing, and then the the real culmination of it is his relationship with the villain. And I just don't want to I don't want to give too much away because I know I, I want you to play this at some point. And man. All I could keep thinking, this is why I think this story hit so hard. All those posts, especially in this in recent years, all the posts and all the memes that are like normalize guys being able to say I love you to each other, like to friends. You you seen those kinds of posts? Yeah. Yeah, and just like that idea that like we should normalize guys being able to express their emotions to each other. 
this game like fully encapsulated that, especially at the ending where you see Ichiban, Ichiban pours his heart out at the end of this game. And it was just freaking phenomenal voice work from, I don't know who's voices him in, in Japanese, but then I went and watched the English dub and, and Keiji Von Tang voices him in English and he just does a masterful job as well. It like, first Yakuza game to make me cry. I'll say that. Wow, that I'll is say that. that's coming strong. I was I was floored by this ending, and I think, uh, yeah, I would probably have put zero at the top before this. I think I think like a dragon takes the cake. I'm so excited to see more Ichiban. We're told that he's going to be the protagonist in future stories. I hope they bring back his party. You know, I hope that I I don't you know it's it's great. You know, you think of an RPG and you're like, oh, you got to get new party members. You got to get new sort of people in your in your gang. And it's like, no, I want I want Adachi. I want Psycho. I want Nanba. I don't want anybody new. Like this is Ichiban's group. This is Ichiban's family. And that's what the story's about. Is about like. What is a family? Do you choose it? Is it given to you? And what is what is a is a sort of a brotherhood? And it's these bonds that these people make with each other. It's the bonds you choose to make rather than the bonds that are forced upon you by society or whatever. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful story. Oh my god. Not gonna lie. Uh based on the battle system, I would much r- rather play this game, but I have to go in order. And right now, listeners, I have only completed Kiwami, number one. And as soon as I finish Assassin's Creed, probably by the end of this year, the rate I'm going, I will. I I am committed to starting Yakuza Zero and then going to uh, Kiwami Two, and then after that, I don't know. I mean, may- maybe, may- Are maybe. Are you gonna do three, four, five, and six? I feel like after that. I would probably play Judgment. I think that's after, the right after call. Kwame too, and then that's the real hard decision because three is probably the roughest and hardest to play. And if I'm able, if I'm really committed to the series, I'll I will go after that. But I think it depends on how emotionally invested you are. Because honestly, here's my ranking. Here's the Yakuza. Here's the official Joe official, Reese Yakuza. I'm, I'm, I'm writing this down right now. Okay. This could change on any given day, let's be real. But honestly, probably not. Number one, Like a Dragon. Yakuza Like a Dragon, I think, is is now my favorite Yakuza game. I would put Zero right below that. Zero, yeah, phenomenal story. Oh, my God. That story, too, is just like... That one had me close to crying, but it didn't quite, didn't quite get me there. Then I would probably put... I'd probably put Judgment after that. I think Whoa, Judgment. Okay. Judgment. I mean, Judgment's phenomenal. I think Judgment is so freaking. I think we're getting good. a sequel, right? They're counting down the clock. Capcom. This isn't a news story, but Capcom or Sega does have a clock that is counting. It's gonna down be a mobile to, game. It's, it's counting gonna... <laughs> towards Judgment. It <laughs> it's has gonna a be clock. a gotcha. I would take it. There's a Yakuza gotcha game. Of I don't think. I don't think you can get it in the West though. After Judgment, I'm going Kiwami 2. I, Judgment and Kiwami 2, pretty close together. Pretty close together. That might be almost a tie. After that, then it gets a little tough. I might go 4. Yakuza 4? I might go 4. Is that when one of your favorite characters is introduced? 
That's right. That's the first time we get Akiyama, baby. And that's like, let's go. I, yeah, 4 is a ride, man. I love 4. You also get a lot of Saijima in that game, who you'll get introduced to in Zero. Then I'd put Kawami. 1. Fantastic story. I'd put Yakuza 4, Kawami 1, probably pretty close together as well. Then I'd go 6. Old man, uh, Kiryu. That's great. It's great. It's great. Very simple, but much simpler. You know, four and five, he plays all these Yokohama. multiple characters. Six pairs it back. No, Yokohama. You're, that's seven. Oh, wow. You're in. Oh wait, then this is eight. You're you're near you're near like Hiroshima in uh, in six. Okay. No, like a dragon seven. You're right. You're right. Then I'm putting five. Then I'm putting three. At the orphanage. Five's a little- Five's a little controversial. A lot of people really like five, but I, I don't know. I thought five got a little too a little too big. Four gets a lot bigger. Five gets a lot bigger. Five's where you're five's where you're a cab driver is Kiryu. You got a whole cab driver storyline is Kiryu. You got a whole baseball storyline. You although five, I will say, you get to play as Haruka. Ooh. That's where you get to play all the dancing mini games as Haruka. You're selling me on a, that. That is a that is a great great part of yakuza <laughs> when she's training to be an idol and you get to do a whole bunch of dance mini games it's so good love it so i think you can skip three you know if you're not emotionally invested long story short i think you can skip three not a lot from three gets referenced ever again in the series i can't you know me i i can't skip any piece of a story i'm watching all of fate damn it i get it look i get it I'm just saying if you're not, you know, fully invested like I was. I, again, I was in at that point where I was like, I am playing every single one of these games. Release the Edo Japan games in America. Give me Kazumanosuke Kiryu or whatever his name is. Give me the Edo Japan time period games. Release them in America. Do you think he goes back in time, or is it just someone who looks just like Kiryu? No, it's just a, it's just a, it's just a story set in that okay. time, and it's just char- character. They just utilize characters in fun ways. Is no, it's not a time travel story. Because of all the, I mean, random stuff they could go in, yeah. Because I could totally see just Kiryu walking down a uh, an alleyway and just ends up in feudal Japan. No, you never go that crazy. You fight ghosts, but you never go that crazy. <laughs> <laughs> You yeah, fight Yakuza, ghosts with your fists. Yeah, and Yakuza sits. With yeah, your fists. You punch ghosts. I guess I guess if anyone could do that, that would be curious. He could punch a ghost. Oh man. I can't wait. Give me more. I mean, at this point, Yakuza has kind of become a little bit of a yearly franchise, so I I know something's coming this year. It's probably judgment too, and I'd be very happy about that. Let's go back to the Yagami Detective Agency people. Let's go. But let's move on from that as well. And also perhaps get to the Weeb Week that was. Some fun stories this week. As our first story up, Demon Slayer did it. It is confirmed as the number one film in America this past weekend. So first weekend out, as we talked about last week, couldn't quite surmount Mortal Kombat, but then it came back strong this second weekend. And Funimation has confirmed, this comes from Anime News Network, from Alex Mateo. Funimation confirmed on Monday that the Demon Slayer Mugen Train anime ranked at number one at the North American box office this past weekend. The film earned $6,412,933 to edge out the new Mortal Kombat film and win their second weekend matchup at the U.S. box office. 
Demon Slayer is the second Japanese film ever, and only the second anime film ever, to rank number one at the weekend box office in the U.S. The first Japanese film was Pokemon, the first movie over 21 years ago. Not super surprising. I'm glad that it's still going strong. I would imagine... And again, no pun intended. Steam is going to pick up uh, as it as it stays out. I think they've added. I think they've expanded how many theaters it was in as well. Whereas Mortal Kombat, I see, is a lot of people saw it that first weekend, and then probably it's going to trail off pretty quickly. I'd imagine. Well, I think it's the perfect storm for Demon Slayer because you have a few things. A, it's number one competition. Mortal Kombat is on HBO, which we watched, so you don't have to go to a movie theater. Second. There's really nothing else in movie theaters. And third, with the rollout, with the vaccines in the United States being so overall successful compared to the rest of the world and most countries, and with theaters opening up, gotta go see it. And I think it's, again, we've mentioned this before in our Mugen Train review episode special. Definitely recommend everyone to go back and listen to that episode. I think it is, again, uh, very surprising and maybe heartening that an anime movie that you cannot... I mean, I mean, you could just walk in and watch it, but it is a hard... You need to see season one to understand anything, really, of this, and it's just doing so well. Other than just, you know, can't, can't break those tears, those Pokemon tears from <laughs> the first movie... When Ash turns to stone and all the tears of the Pokemon bring him back to life, just can't surmount that. It has that. to be inflation, though, right? It's like how Gone, gone, yeah, with, gone yeah, with the gone Wind with the is wind. forever going to be the highest grossing film ever because inflation from 1930-whatever like is just so un- unsurmountable. Not even James Cameron can top that. $5 back then was it's $500 today. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we'll see. I mean, who knows? I mean, if it does... The numbers, I don't think it'll do the numbers here that it did in Japan, but if it does, man, like that's gonna movie the- it probably it probably could overtake Pokemon at that movie point. theaters are closing down now in Japan due to their uh recent coronavirus uh spikes. Now, comparatively, they're doing much better than a lot of the world, but I understand they're being very prudent, so you know, we're not going to surpass them. <laughs> but if there's any chance, maybe somehow, maybe maybe Stephen Colbert will mention it on, on his late night show and get everyone to watch it. Doubt it. It's not, Jimmy Kimmel's not talking about this movie. Probably not. I'm actually surprised looking here that it, it surpassed the former number three Dragon Ball Super Broly. I didn't realize that one did as well as it did. That was a good movie, by the way. I saw that in theaters as well. And... Yeah, I, I didn't know that that movie did so well. That's cool to see. Did you see Pokemon the movie 2000? Yeah, in theaters, so long, long, Do long, you still long, long have your ago. ancient Mew card, your Pokemon Mew card that they gave out? I do. It's possible. I know that I there are binders, those binders with the, like, trading card collectible laminate inserts where you can slide. Or it has, oh, like, yeah, nine, I still have mine. Nine in a... I think I've got some binders there somewhere in a storage room in my parents' house. Yeah, break them out. They may be worth some money. That's what we talked about with you. Remember, you got to where? How? What's the holographic Charizard? I did find. Look. I did find it. It is a first edition. I don't think it's shadowless though. But again, I am skeptical of every time they say, "Oh, it's worth like 
thousands of dollars because because my challenge would be is someone buying it for a thousand dollars because i could put the price up for anything on ebay like yeah ten thousand dollars but unless someone actually purchases it then it's not really worth that someone would someone, someone would i mean the first purchase i'll be getting is either a life-size figure of zero two which is usually runs around what ten thousand dollars you've seen them they make like you know twelve, <laughs> and they make like twelve of those. Like I've seen those giant figures, and I'm like yeah, whoever wants this, I'm like I guess this is demand. Someone wants a giant life size figure of Rem. No, this is a total non sequitur. It isn't even really anime related. I was watching the the QAnon documentary on HBO. Where is this going? <laughs> so I was watching now I told you it's a total non sequitur, but it will tie back in. Okay. So I was watching the QAnon documentary on HBO, which is really fascinating. I highly recommend it. I think everybody should check that out as well. Not an anime wreck, but a really good documentary wreck. And so they the 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 filmmaker spends a lot of time with the with the 8chan people like over in the Philippines and Japan. They all live over in like the Philippines and Japan. And he keeps interviewing God, what's his name? He keeps interviewing Ron Watkins, who is like the the ad he was the, like the admin of 8chan under the name Code Monkey. And every time he interviews him, they're in his like Sapporo Japan apartment. And he's like sitting in a Buddha <laughs> pose, and right next to him is a life-size ray from Evangelion doll. The, and every time they cut to him interviewing, it's just life-size Ray Ayanami standing right there next to him. And it's like, what is going on? Who is this it, guy? It's the Ayanami Raising Project. We've <laughs> talked about that video game. He just wants to experience it in real life. I guess. Yeah, but it's just like, man, that Ray gets so much screen time in the QAnon documentary. <laughs> Uh, there's there's a demand out there for for them, and you know if there was a life size figure of Masato, come on, we would probably pitch in and buy it. Definitely, we'd sell Alex. Yeah, I think that's a fair trade. Our second story that we have I added is Netflix is set to stream the Sailor Moon Eternal anime films on June third. Netflix announced on Tuesday that it'll, it will stream a two part Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon Eternal the movie. And a project worldwide outside of Japan June 3rd. The first film was originally scheduled to be in Japan on September 11th, but was de- de- delayed uh, to January 8th due to COVID. The second film opened on February 11th in Japan. The two-part film takes place in the, as the fourth season of Sailor Moon Crystal and will cover the Dead Moon arc of the original manga. So... I'm excited for this. I am actually all caught up on Sailor Moon Crystal. I have watched all of it because I originally, I have seen Sailor Moon in the past. You know, so this is the reason why I wanted to add this on here. Because I want to talk a little bit about Sailor Moon with you. First off, have you seen any of Sailor Moon? I only, <clears throat> I only really watched Sailor Moon way back in the day, like elementary school. You know, I'd get up, about to go to school. I would make my breakfast, and there were two things that would be on that I could watch before school. There was Digimon, check out some Digimon before school, and then there was Sailor Moon. And I totally had, you know, eight-year-old Joe's brain was like, I kind of like this. I don't know if I should. This this is a girl's show. Should I like this? But I kind of like this. So 
that's what I that's that's what I watched. I watched Sailor Moon back then, but I haven't ever really gotten back into it or ever really kept up on it. So I almost had a similar aspect where I grew up also watching Sailor Moon, and I think that just got me into more anime. And when Sailor Moon Crystal was announced, let's say, kids came out originally in 2014, I was like, you know what? They're making a reboot of the entire Sailor Moon franchise. I'll give this a shot. I'll go back and watch it. Now, I do know, and listeners who are familiar with Sailor Moon know, that the transformation scenes very important. Very classic for the show. You can't mess them up. Not well received in the original Sailor Moon Crystal. They did actually a 3D animation with it, and it looks pretty jarring and, and stupid because the rest of the you know the show is in 2D, and it's like this is the one thing probably people remember of anything of Sailor Moon is the transformation scene. So for season two and three, they were quote fixed, and they actually did you know 2D, and of course looks gorgeous using you know modern rotoscope technology right now. And with that, I wanted to see a new lens. I was like, let me go back and see, is this a good show? And I have to say, yeah, it's 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 good. It is Monster of the Week. Uh, you do have a, a, an overarching um, uh, story between season one, where you're basically getting all the girls together and they're you know putting your team together and you're meeting, uh, you know, Ray he, Ray and you're meeting Ami. Makoto, uh, Minako, all of the main uh, girls, Usagi. That's like season one. But when they get to the Sailor Saturn arc, which I um, really like in Sailor Neptune and Pluto, which is further down the line, really good. And I am interested to see Sailor Moon, the, the Sailor Moon movies coming out and, you know, just continue the story because I want to see how it uh, com- completes because... I never uh, finished Sailor Moon when I was younger. I kind of just moved on to more traditional, I don't know, boy anime such as, you know, Naruto and Dragon Ball Z. But that's right. That's right. That's right. Those are only the best shows. I don't like, yeah, but but um, I'm glad I actually had a, you know, chance to go back and see Sailor Moon uh, the way it was originally told with at least the storylines and. Yeah, excited for the movies, and I wanted to see what your thoughts are with Sailor Moon, if you'd be watching it, but it's okay. I guess you'll just have to just watch the sidelines as I uh, go through it. I've always thought about it. You know, it's one of those ones, I mean, it's so iconic, obviously, that I've always been curious to maybe go back and, and check some of it out, and honestly, I'm, I'm looking up right now, maybe I could and maybe I should. I would have expected, because I remember when Sailor Moon Crystal started and how hyped everybody was for that, I would have expected... There's a lot more of it, but there's only there's the first season is 26 episodes. Then there's another season of 13 That's episodes. Correct. That I would have thought there'd been hundreds of episodes. At well, I point. mean, there's a lot of spinoffs. If you think of the original, such as you know Sailor Moon S, and you're thinking of you know yeah the original movie. Well, yes, we've got S and we've got R. Those are movies. It looks like, but uh, the original show is. 200, oh, a- 200 S- episodes. A- yeah, S S was is its own separate separate uh, show. Oh, okay. I think yeah, I think this Deathbusters. I think this Wikipedia just kind of lumps everything. Yeah, two hundred episodes. Like, I would have expected because yeah, Sailor Moon Crystal been going from twenty fifteen. I just would have thought there'd been a lot more of it. But if there's not, if there if there's been some breaks in between seasons and they're shorter seasons, maybe I'll maybe I'll go chill with Tuxedo Mask for a bit. <laughs> 
<laughs> he's great. He's he's pretty. He's he. It is a he's pretty doofy in the show, which I do oh, like. Yeah. Do you watch it in English? Because it's our it's our boy in English. Mamoru. It's Robbie. Robbie. Oh, Damon. Robbie Damon. In is the English voice of Tuxedo That's Mask. That's right. Oh, uh, no, I watched it in Japanese. Oh, okay. No, but I love Robbie Damon. Met him in person. He was so impressed with the, uh, yeah, for Final Fantasy 15. Did Arden Zunia. He's, he's great. He's a great I guy love, in person. I love too. him. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure he's so cool. He seems so cool online, but he's and he's always so cool in his in his roles too. He's uh, just gonna fanboy over Robbie Damon for a bit. A catchy. Oh yeah, he was in Persona Five as a catchy. That's great too. He was also in something else recently. And I, I know I'm putting I'm putting you on the spot. He's all yeah. he's all over the place. He was in Jujutsu Kaisen, okay. the dub. He was he was of course the first thing that we really ever put a name to the face. He was of course I want to eat your pancreas. Oh yeah, that's right. And we. And we told him he was a coward for not saying <laughs> the, the, the full movie. The full movie name, yeah. Our final story up, a fun one. A Japanese town got some COVID-19 money, so they built a giant squid statue. This comes from Brian Ashcraft at Kotaku. The town of Noto... <clears throat> The town of Noto in Ishikawa received millions of yen due to the impact of COVID-19. The money was part of a rural revitalization project to help the countryside in the wake of the virus. According to Yahoo News Japan, local governments such as Noto's would decide how to spend the money, such as infection countermeasures or money to help closed businesses. Noto, though, is known for squid. At around 25 million yen, around $228,181, of the funds were set aside for a huge squid monument to entice tourists to visit the area once the pandemic is over. The pandemic is not over. Some of the country's most metropolitan areas, including Tokyo, Osaka, and Kyoto, are currently under a state of emergency with COVID-19 cases hitting record numbers, as you spoke about earlier. But back to the squid. This giant squid is 29.5 20, feet across, so, 13 feet high, and over 42 feet long. And know, I I urge you listeners to Google and look this up. It is horrifying. Because <laughs> <laughs> this squid is just, it is exactly what you think a squid looks like. And its tentacles, though, are like, all splayed in different directions, and it just has a gaping hole where the mouth of this squid would be. It looks like it's about to eat you. I don't know if kids are going to be able to. Like, I was going to say that kids are supposed to go inside. Yeah, I know. I don't know if this is going to supposed to be like a playground sort of thing where kids get to like go inside of this or what. But Steve, what do you think of this giant squid? I okay. So first off, a few thoughts. A, you know, there had to be committee meeting on this, and they got the money. There was a whiteboard session. They're like, what are we spending this money on? More oxygen for for our patients in our local hospital who are being treated with COVID. Giant squid. And it's just like circled 200 times around. And they're like, yeah, of course. We have to buy the giant squid. You know... I don't. I think there's wiser ways to spend money, but then again, we are talking from the country that you know has amusement area attractions with the giant balls of yarn out in what is it Kansas or Nebraska? Probably. Mm, yeah, um, probably somewhere around there. Yeah. So with that, <laughs> with that, you know, I I can understand the tourism angle, but we're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> we could have thought the money better. Also, I don't know, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. 
Is that the best you can do? I'm looking at it right now, and it looks a, it looks pretty plasticky. I don't know. I feel like <laughs> it does. I wonder what it's made out of. If I was gonna go all in on getting this giant squid, I mean, about, I mean, like, how how many people could you like? I don't know. Source, you know, to get like a bidding contract. Like, who else is able? To, like, okay, you know, different contractors. Who's got the best giant squid idea for our amusement park? And they probably was like one person in the local area. Is like, yeah, I can do it. Look at those eyes, Steve. Yeah, that's look what I'm that, looking at. Look at that empty, vacant stare in this squid, and tell me people are going to be like, we got to go see that. Although, I'll be honest, I got to go see this. <laughs> so, again, with the giant mouth, I wonder if kids are supposed to crawl in there, and do you just, like, take a photo next to it and put put up your V signs right next to it and be like, near giant squid, and then- Presumably, yeah. I guess so. Sure. Why not? I will note- Further on in this article, as Chunichi News adds, there have been questions among locals over whether this was necessary or even an effective way to do PR for Noto. I mean... <laughs> so even the locals are just like, really? This is this is what we're doing with this? Listen, if we want to dig deeper, most likely this was an embezzling scheme. The whole statue cost like 100 bucks to make. And someone just, you know, pocketed the rest of the two hundred thousand dollars. So there's our there's our human interest story of the week for you to break from the from the movie announcements. Absolutely, we gotta check up on this. Let's check it. Let's, let's check on this in a year. Let's see how many people have visited Noto. Well, yeah, I started looking at that. Let me look up Ishikawa, uh, exactly where that is in Japan. Uh, the Noto, the Noto Peninsula. So it looks like it's maybe a little bit near north. Like it's in the north, okay. maybe. Pulling Honshu up a Google, Island. pulling up a Google map. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So it's north of Kyoto. Uh. Yeah, I'm not sure what else you. I would have to look what else I would want to do there. Because <laughs> I I don't know any anything else. I only know like Date, which is you know a further province up north. And then you know you know Hokkaido. Oh and yeah, then, it's like way you know, in the sa- north. Uh, Saga it's, it's on, down. It's uh, on the northernmost in the south island. Oh wait, no, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm zooming out. I'm zooming out. Oh no, never mind. Never mind. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's kind of in the middle. It's northwest of to Tokyo. Wh- and yeah, like northeast of Kyoto, kind of in between the two. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm looking to see what else we can do in this area. We got some art, got some festivals, got a hot springs. Oh come on, got hot springs district. It's Japan. We'd find everything to do there. Anything in it. I'd love to go to just like small town Japan and just relax and in some in some onsen or something. Boy, do I have an anime recommendation for you. Ooh. Oh yeah, you're talking about about revitalizing. Is it one room? Uh, Is it one room? No, it is not one room let me look this up real quick i actually enjoyed it pretty well it's about five girls who are sent to a very northern remote area area of japan to kind of revitalize it as a um promotional scheme and they oh no it's one girl but she meets other girls there so it turns into you know like five girls or so uh very sweet and wholesome uh and I won't tell you the end of if they're successful or not of revitalizing the actual town. 
Looking through here, uh, you know what's really funny is I go through my anime list. I kind of like go through like what I was in the mood for each time. And man, I had there's Sailor Moon Crystal, and then I go through some other really weird dank shit down here. Wow, I wonder if Crunchyroll actually lost the rights to this show. I forgot it. Wow. Lost the time. Lost the time. Don't remember it. I know it was time between I was watching Orange, Sweetness and Lightning, Flying Witch. Flying Witch is great, too. If you want to talk about small, small town shows that just feel good, Flying Witch. Go with that. The largest stakes in that show is that they make too many radish. They plant too many radishes in their farm, and they got to figure out a way to cook all those radishes. (laughs) Yeah, I have no clue what the name of the show is. It looks like uh, Crunchyroll, you've lost the time. You failed me. I tried to find this, and yeah, I'll get back to you. But yeah, I think next time we plan for our trip to Japan, okay, check out this giant squid. We're going to this giant squid, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you think we can put our hand in the giant giant hole? Yeah, I have to. Like, it's so big and gaping and is like one of the more prominent features of this squid you have to be able to do something with it i hope so i don't know that's just a stand there i guess you can or we just get or we just get banned from japan forever japan not 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 the not the prefecture (laughs) japan the whole country the whole country is kicking us out prime minister looks at get these assholes out of here right now they put the hand in the squid (laughs) well with that said though steve do we want to talk about some cooking. I would love to talk about some cooking. So, moving on to the topic of the show, I saw an interesting news article that every day, t- every day today's menu with Emiya's family is a Switch game that is launching soon uh, about the spinoff Fate series where we're cooking with Emiya and friends. Well, we actually saw the first episode of this recently. And I would first love to see this game, but a thought it came to a thought for me. I would love to see more cooking spinoffs of anime shows. So with that, Joe, I wanted to ask you, what are your thoughts on spinoff cooking shows and Slice of Life for your favorite anime shows? First thing I'll say is, why is this only coming to Switch? Give it on PS4. Give me trophies. Give me a platinum. Oh, yeah, Totally. I mean, I, other than that, I guess I could I could really go for some like uh, laid back cooking game on a switch in my bed right before I go to sleep, just making I don't know bacon sandwiches with uh, Rin and Saber. Yeah, sure, why not? But in terms of other shows, I had a lot of joke ones, Steve. I'll be honest. You know, I was I was because I was thinking what? like, oh, wouldn't it be so funny? Promise Neverland cooking spinoff, Tokyo Tokyo Ghoul cooking <laughs> spinoff. Wouldn't that oh, be funny? Okay, okay. So, but I did. I I toned back from that. The Tokyo Ghoul one you could actually maybe get a little interesting with, especially since ghouls, some ghouls pretend to eat real food, to pretend to be human. But the first one I came up with, everyone will be like, "Oh, Joe, he's saying it again." Hunter Hunter would be ripe for one, honestly. Because we see gourmet 
hunters. We see these people in the show who are obsessed with tracking down the best food, but they're not just obsessed with tracking down the best food, Steve. Essentially, this could just be somewhat of a monster hunter type game because they, of course, as hunters, as these powerful people, they're usually getting their food by taking down giant beasts. And we even see that in the show. They task Gon and the rest of the hunter exam members with tracking down these giant beasts and, and, and taking them down and getting the food. So this could be a fun game where you go out, you have the monster hunter aspect, you track down the monster, you go for it, you fight it, you get its meat, you get its whatever to go back and cook, but then you run a restaurant around it as well. So you got to bring those those things back and actually create some food and actually sell it. So there's the whole economy spinoff side of it as well, where you're running this restaurant, you want to up your game, you want to up your restaurant, make it better, and then you go out and do some sword fighting some monsters as well. Oh, what's Hisoka making? Yeah. Oh, dude. (laughs) I (laughs) I mean, I could say something real raunchy right now, Steve, but we don't want to click that explicit button on... On, no, uh, this on, is a this is this is not a family friendly podcast. This isn't family is. friendly, but let's not, you know, Hisoka swings a little bit sometimes. Uh, so you know, Hisoka's probably gonna make like a hot dog, <laughs> a, a gourmet hot dog. Sure. So yeah, I mean, again, that would be that would be my Hunter Hunter spinoff. I could see totally see Leorio. Just managing the books. And oh, Leorio, exactly. Leorio's your accountant. You send out Gon and Killua into into the world to take down some monsters, and then again, you have to you have to ma- you have the the management sim aspect of it as well. I had a few on here, and I was thinking from the lens of if it's a video game, but also just a spinoff show as well, because they kind of coincide. Easy one, Naruto's Ramen World. We can e- we can easily see that where in the show Ichiraku Ramen is the place where uh, the I guess in the ninja world's famous ramen and we always see Naruto there uh, either <laughs> begging for ramen when he's poor or when he's older and actually becomes Okage maybe he has a few bucks to spend hanging out there eating ramen totally there's so many different ways you can make ramen easily. And with that, I could either see a spinoff show where it's just different characters hanging out with Naruto at the ramen shop, uh, just talking about their dumb adventures that they've seen, and Naruto just slurping down like, you know, 40 bowls of uh, ramen. And video game, totally going out there for unique ingredients. Actually, in the... I wouldn't be surprised. I, I would have to remember, but I can almost guarantee in the... Ultimate Ninja Storm games. There's probably side missions to get like rare ingredients, but I would, if you built if you actually built the entire game around that, you can totally see that going up against the Akatsuki who have like you know the most rarest materials ever, and you gotta get them because Naruto just needs to have his fix for ramen noodles. Pretty easy, but I'm surprised it hasn't been made yet in terms of a like a spinoff. Even I've seen all of Naruto. I'll say that right now. Well, not Boruto. I haven't seen all Boruto, but I've seen all of Naruto and Naruto Shippuden and enough movies to make my eyeballs roll. There's really not, like, dedicated spin-off episode of just at the ramen place, which I'm surprised. We get sh- we get shots and maybe quick things, so I'm like, come on. Can you give us a 30-minute episode of him just sticking around and 
ha- you know, just chilling with the random patrons who come come through there and tell some fun stories. Out of 500 episodes between Naruto and Naruto Shippuden, you couldn't do that at all. It's a gimme. It's a freebie. I'll give that one for free. Put it in Boruto. Wait. Wasting too much time with Rock Lee. Wasting every spend time. Less time, less time on every Rock time. Lee and more time on ramen. You got to pick your every battles, moment Steve. with Rock Lee is a godsend gift for, gift to this earth. <laughs> What's the other one you have? The other one, I'm I'm with you. I was thinking of things that were like, how does this not actually exist? Like, why does a Naruto ramen centric spinoff not exist? Why doesn't a Persona cooking? Something exists. We've fought in the metaverse. We fought in other worlds. We've danced together. We've we're now doing an action game with Persona Five Strikers. So we've had some spin-offs. I mean, and Persona is a spin-off of Shin Megami Tensei. So, you know, this is ripe for all sorts of random things to happen. There's some slice of life stuff going on in Persona. I'm cooking, I'm making lunch boxes in Persona 4. I'm cooking curry in Persona 5. I don't remember it very well, but I probably cooked at some point in Persona 3. I don't know if cooking's in Persona 3 or not, but you probably could with there anyway. Give me Mitsuru. Mitsuru can probably I'd love to cook with Mitsuru. So, I yeah, again, like I there has there should be some sort of Persona themed cook up i even know like when persona 5 royal came out they released atlas released the recipe for leblanc curry so it exists so they have these recipes ready to go so just like let me cook as them i'm surprised too this doesn't exist because you're you're right there is so much potential especially at leblanc you're making the perfect cup of coffee too you can that can be a whole side side story with that uh, in terms of like the animation the anime could have done that absolutely yeah you could do you could do a short anime of it it could be a game i mean they've done again so many random spin-off games there's a fighting game there's a dancing game there's all sorts of dancing games yeah just give me a give me a cooking game what's the giant burger that you have to eat in persona 5 big bang burger dude <laughs> it's the best way to get your stats up it's the best way to get your social stats isn't it for like I, getting what was it your guts because it's <laughs> Well, it, yeah, it gets your guts up a lot, but there are, when you tackle it, it can get everything up. I'll tell you what, Steve, <laughs> that's why video games are fun, because Persona 5 Royal, where I was trying to get that platinum in one go around, and it was like, you got to get all your social stats maxed out again. In this guy's life, in Joe-san's life, <laughs> as, his, as his name was, there was a solid, he did the palace, it probably did like, the castle palace and had two weeks to burn. So it was just two straight weeks. Schools, schools out. Big bang burger. Go home to LeBlanc for the evening. Immediately leave to go back to big bang burger. It was a solid two weeks of just afternoon and evening taking that big bang burger challenge. Oh my God. Try to get these He's stats. like, Joker, you're looking kind of heavy. What? You want to go back to the metaverse and maybe work that off? It's like, uh, yeah, probably in like three weeks or so. <laughs> Whenever Matarame comes around, I'll go back into the metaverse. But until then, just big bang burgers all day long. The second one I have is Code Geass after class. Now, we clearly know there is a great <laughs> show. There is a cooking. I episode. mean, there is a cooking. There is like there's cooking. But like I want a side story. 
like they're each episode's 12 minutes long we'll make like you know 10 episodes of lelouch just with shirley and everyone else from the code geass gang joining a cooking class and just cooking and i want very subtle hints of lelouch being like I gotta take a phone call. I can't mix this dough right now. And it's him getting a phone call from Dietheart uh, being like, listen, we need a decision on, like, you know, this attack plan or whatever and how we're gonna sell our propaganda. So you just hear in the background and he comes right back. I'm like, oh, hey guys, I'm back. You know, whatever. Uh, and Lelouch is always just like, <laughs> his mind's always distracted of, like, you know, destroying Britannia and just trying to knead this dough. And making sure he's getting the perfect type of um, pizza pizza done, uh, but I'm but I, I would love this so much because like the closest one I remember is uh, that dumb side episode they have with uh, in Code Geass where they had the uh, the cat stole his his mask, and it was like the entire episode was him just trying to get it back so his secret's not revealed, his entire world domination's not like let out of the bag because. A cat stole his helmet. I was going to ask about that cat. How how often do we see this cat in the Code Geass cooking TV this, show? This, this cat is going to be in the opening of the game and also in the opening for the series as well. It's going to be prominent. It's going to be the first splash screen. Cat jumps down with a paw right there, maybe playing with some type of uh, mixer bowl right in there. Pops right out. So cute. Fantastic. Totally can do it. Yeah, I mean... I, this one is ripe. I would love I the way you described it. I would love that. I would love it if they went full, just like the Fate Cooking Show, where it is just a complete detour, and it's just having some fun with it and, and letting these characters have a nice time. Because for so much of that show, they are not having a nice time. But if we get just just see Lelouch and Suzaku and Shirley and and the student council president just all having a good time while. Nunnally stares in from the window, not being allowed to be a part of their fun time because Nunnally, get out of here, Nunnally. Nunnally no can't one see. likes you. You she don't get to stare cook from the Nunnally. window. She can't see. You don't get to cook, Nunnally. Well, whatever. She's sitting there and she doesn't get to be a part of it oh, because Nunnally sucks. Give her some of the cooking dough, the little like you know star, so she can make the cookies right there. She'll be fine. Whatever. She, whatever. She, she can be stirring. Just give her a bowl. She can stir. Lelouch was right. <laughs> The last one I have, Full Metal Alchemist Cooking with Science. Again, easy. Uh, baking is a science. You could have Ed being way too in the weeds of trying to get this uh, absolutely perfect, trying to make the perfect cake, looking at all of the ingredients to be making all the bakery goods. It has to be bacon because that, that's the closest thing I can think of a science. Like I don't think – I can't see Ed sauteing something, for example. And uh, we need to also have plenty of shots with Al trying to eat something, and then finding out, oh my God, I'm metal. I'm a, and I'm a, you know, a soulless hunk of metal and can't eat anything. You got Roy coming in with his fire, cooking. Oh yeah, cooking yeah, some cooking. Food up. Yeah. That'd be great. Oh, and then you can see uh, Olivia just cutting up things with her sword. Oh, and just oh man, they like need some some meat to be like, what's that called? Where you like pound the meat. Um, oh, uh, are the sweets Armstrong? Yeah, exactly. You just have Armstrong pound, pound just punching meat. meat to like tenderize it, tenderize it. That's yeah. the word I'm looking for. Also, all the food he makes has to be an image of himself. Too. Yes, yes. <laughs> this would be great too. Although I will say, when I first saw this on the list, Steve, my mind did not go to Ed. My mind did not go to Al. 
my mind did not go to Roy or anybody who you might expect. Who are you? To, who else? I was like, oh, yeah, wouldn't it be? Because I think I was still in my, like, D- promised Neverland stupid dark joke cooking games. I was like, ooh, you could play as, like, Tucker and have to cook up some how, really how gnarly you, some really gnarly stuff. He cooks his daughter into a meat pie or something like that. Wow. Yeah, and then you just throw him into a field of spikes, and he's dead. Yeah, you could do that. We got we have different minds. I'm thinking of something fun and nice, cooking with science, learn something. You're thinking of the dark stuff every time. Cooking with Shao Tucker. Don't do it. I love all these, and I think it's a testament that more anime needs spinoff shows, such as Today's Menu with the Emmy Family. And, you know, reciprocate it. I want to see more bacon sandwiches being made with everyone else. Speaking of Emia, though, a very Emia-centric episode here at this point of our time because we must come to the Wheel of Fate. It is time for the Wheel of Fate. If you're not familiar, listeners, we've been told that there's no good place to start fates. We've taken that way too literally and have been watching the entire Fate property out of order. We, we've been watching every single type of movie, spin-off, short, you name it. I have it on a very giant Excel spreadsheet list. And each and every week, we pick a random episode and talk about it for your amusement. And this week, we're talking about Fate Grand Order Moonlight Lost Room, a... <laughs> Small film that t- that is a spinoff of Fake Grand Order, which is a mobile game, which is a spinoff of the proper show itself. I watched this. It's 32 minutes long. It is on Crunchyroll, and I think this is a waste of time. <laughs> I'm going to say that right up here. I don't, I don't know what I was watching here, but can you even explain the premise of this? I have no idea what happened in this. So I'm, I'm gonna maybe I'm, I'm, you, maybe you know it if you've played all of Fate Go. I don't know. Again, this goes back to the question I've had so many times. Would this be cool if we knew the context of it? I don't. I feel like we would know the context of, of it. So I'm reading off the synopsis on any list. The Lost Room, a place where you can see what was lost, or maybe what was lost to you in time, existing in the innermost part of. Uh, of was it Cal- Caldea? How do they pronounce it? Yeah, Caldea. Caldea, uh, which is basically their headquarters in Ar- Antarctica or whatever. It is the boundary line between dream and reality, where the light of the moon shines through. Produced by the Caldera summon sy- summoning system, the room holds a small number of worthwhile benefits to enjoy. There is no benefits in that room at all. It is essentially a room where a bunch of people are talking around a table. Yeah, that was that. Would, yeah, that <laughs> was what it way is. too long. That was a really long part of this show. Started off strong. It's Christmas time in Caldea. Yeah, Mash is running through the halls, all excited and happy. And I thought it was gonna be a Christmas special. I was special. like, "Oh my god, this is great! Give me more Mash! I love this!" And then, yeah, we immediately cut back into the Olga, Olga, who died in Faco at the very beginning. And Lev, who is the villain and also dies in Fake Go. And Mash, sitting around a table talking about the past. I don't know. For a while, for a, I was thinking that it was at, 
if maybe at the end of the first sort of phase of Fate Go, maybe M- Mash and I have solved it all. We've solved all the race shifts. We've solved all the singularities. And maybe that like puts everything back in order so that nothing of Fate Go actually happened, which would bring maybe Olga and Lev back to life. That The more I watched, though, that didn't seem to be the case. It seems like this does take place after Fate Go. Olga is still dead. Lev is still dead. And Fujimaru doesn't remember Olga. And at the same time, this has to... So I don't know when this takes place, even in the first movie for Fate Grand Order, because... Oh, no, oh no I'm not Fate Grand Order. I mean, um, Fate uh, Babylonia, essentially. Because Lev is there, and he's not the villain just yet, but Fujimaru and Mash know each other, so I'm like, when does this take place exactly? But then I, re- from what I could, from what I could gather, it takes place. It takes place way after Babylonia. It takes place after all of that. It's setting up sort of the new storyline after they've solved all these singularities, and it's kicking off something. I have new. to say, this movie, if you want to call it that, so far up its own ass in terms of all of these. Proper pronouns are being thrown out. And t- did you see how many, like, we got the singularities. We got all these types of moon rays. We have special types of, like, amphispheres and things like that. And I'm like, what are you talking? Okay. You're not talking but about nothing. I know what all, okay, but I nothing. know what all those things, I know what all those things are. You're saying all that. I'm like, yeah, I know what an amino sphere oh is. Come on. God. No. Play fake go. I'm not playing fake go. Don't complain they, if you don't no, want to put there in the was work. Way fate, too much. fate asks of it you, and you gotta you gotta meet fate back. Oh you know, God. there's so many proper pronouns being thrown out. Though I was watching Evangelion, and with that too, as I was watching, I you know, I, I'm trying to piece together. I'm trying to piece together. Like, is this something like a room that's like where people almost dream? about what their type of conversations of what they kind of wish they were doing. I was I wasn't sure because Olga needs a rest or whatever. I know I'm talking in circles folks because I could not make heads or tails of what this entire ep- episode was about. But I will say it does set up if anything the entire point of Caldera but they're like, oh, this is the reason why this entire place was uh, struck, you know, built. And this is why Olga's father built it to be a hundred. So we can look at hundred years in the future to see if humanity is going to die then. And, you know, they put it up for a hundred years. So they'd be able to put in countermeasures to be able to see if, you know, humanity is going to die in the year 2100. Like, okay, we know the reason why. So we have time to fix that. And I'm like, wow, cool. That actually makes sense a little bit. We knew that. We knew that from the first movie. We know. That I from know, the very beginning but they spend time recapping it there. So I'm like, okay, I guess that's something. If it, if this is going to be your first episode of Fate ever, at least you get that. But everything else, you're not going to like Fate at all. No, this is a terrible place to start Fate. Would <laughs> you say this is worse fate. than Fate Last Encore? Any episode of Fate Last Encore? No, because at least you're going to get some tie-ins to things that sort of kind of matter. Like, at the very end, when they're clearly sort of, like, giving you a little bit of a montage of, like, here's all the threads you're going to get in the in the second season of 
Fago the game. You got Kotamine getting off the helicopter, walking in, strolling up. It's like, oh, Kotamine is in this? I didn't know Kotamine was in Fate Go. I look him up. You know who Kotamine is in, in Fate Go? Who's Kotamine? He's Rasputin. Of course. That sounds awesome. I got to play me some more Fate Go and get up to this point. A lot of Leonardo da Vinci in there. She's great. Mentioned. Love her. Love her. <laughs> did you remember that? <laughs> did you remember this? Is a t- this, <laughs> did you, this is a terrible place to Did you to start remember being that da Vinci was a woman? <laughs> well, apparently Le- uh, Lev forgot too. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Get so, us out of here. You were never, we don't have to visit this anymore because it's a one and done at least. So. It's a one and done. Of, uh, listeners, you don't have to watch uh, Moonlight Lost Stream. You're missing nothing, but we watched it for you to tell you that reason why. So with that, we have our next assignment coming up. I have a spreadsheet and I have a random number generator with each series. We have watched... A lot of stuff. So, actually, I wanted to take this moment first to tell our new listeners what we have watched so far. Now, I'm not oh going to go through. Oh, my God. E- no, listen, listen. I'm not going to go through every single thing. But, for example, we have already watched Fate Stay Night, Unlimited Blade Works, the movie. We've seen Lost Butterfly, Heaven's Feel, Part 2. We also saw Prisma Ilya, that movie. We saw Heaven's Feel, Part 1. We saw Fate Prototype. Uh, Fate Grand Order, First Order. We saw the anime short. We've seen Moonlight Lost Room. We also have seen, oh boy, I ha- I always uh, amuse by why I'm saying this. Fate Grand Order X, Himado's Universe, Seven Most Powerful Great Figure Chapters. We found that short. And we've seen at least one episode of every single series, except for Season 3 of Prisma Ilya. We have not actually rolled that of Season 3 of Prisma Ilya. But we've seen at least one episode of every series. Yes, that that's correct. Wow. That's correct. Wow. And we do have the one movie that I did recently add back in, Spring Song, because before it wasn't out just yet. So, without further ado, Wheel of Fate, turn, 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 let us know the episode or movie we shall endure. Going nine, we're going back to Fate Apocrypha. We've only seen one episode of this, mm-hmm. and it was a setup episode, which we did not uh, particularly care about because we had no idea what was happening. That was episode 15, so I'm going to reset my number generator for the amount of episodes in this series. Wow. We're going right to the end. 24. Oh, holy grail boy. war. 24 out of 25, so we're going right at the end, my action. friend. Shiro emerges from the grail to explain to uh, Jean that he, that he plans to materialize all of humanity's souls so they can exist without physical bodies. Are we watching Evangelion? <laughs> Therefore, eliminating all conflict and achieving their salvation. Yeah, this is basically the plot of Eon Genesis Evangelion. But that's what we're going to be watching. Holy Grail War, episode 24 of Fate Apocrypha. Buckle up. We'll have to talk about it next week. That brings us now to... Our ever-rotating character-ranking lists of The Waifu Watch and The Best Boy Bulletin. I have brought a character for our perusal today as we build our definitive lists of character rankings. Alright, Steve. I have been having fun with these lists, you know? 
Certainly been having fun with these lists. But I, I keep bringing characters. I, I feel like okay. recently I've been bringing a lot of characters that I like, that I've enjoyed bringing, but they, I knew they weren't heavy hitters. You know, like I knew, you know, when I came in with Kana last week, I was excited to talk about her because I like Kana from Parasite quite a lot. But I knew she wasn't going to be, you know, top five of, of it. You know, I, I knew she wasn't going to be a high, excessively high ranking person. So I think it's time for me to return to form, Steve. And I got a bit of a, I, I, got, a, I got a bomb for us today, baby. You bringing something heavy? First, I'm going to say a quote. Ooh, okay. And I'm going to see if you can guess this character after of this quote. Yes, I destroy the world and create it anew. I destroy the world and create it anew. I destroy the world and create it anew. Hmm. Some destruction. Obviously. I'm thinking, is this a top-ranking anime? Oh, definitely. Okay. I'm looking, and I'm wondering who could this be. Don't look the quote up. Don't look the quote I'm up. I'm not looking up the quote because that would be call. cheating. Don't no. Call. Listen, I'm, I'm a, I have a man of my word. I have integrity. Destroyed the world. See, the first thing I think of is Evangelion, but we already have Misato on there, so I'm like, it's not Ray. Ray doesn't talk that much. Either. No, this is a oh, this is a best boy, by the way. This is a best boy. Oh, whoa. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, this is oh, a best boy. Let me, I, I let me, am sorry. Let me gear well, you, let me let me, gear let me rejigger. Let me jigger my head. Okay. Destroyed the world and created a new. Okay. So it's is it from Attack on Titan? No. Wow. Okay. Is it from Full Metal Alchemist? No. No. Wow. I may not know who this character is. You want some more information? Give me give me another hint. Give me another hint. Start describing him. This is a highly intelligent individual with a calm, sophisticated, almost arrogant personality. He masks himself as a likable student. Initially bored with life, he goes through his days with disinterest in people and the activities expected of him. But he is soon granted an opportunity to change the world even mold it to his liking. In battle, he is very cold and tactical, willing to sacrifice civilians and soldiers alike to achieve his objective. Many other characters see his aims as selfish, but once, but over the course of his story, he does come to recognize that his goals are for all of humanity, not just for himself. Despite his cold demeanor, he can be a rather compassionate person towards his friends and loved ones. Ultimately, he establishes himself as the greatest hero of all, sacrificing himself for the benefit of everyone. For even though we've seen him sacrifice others, he has always lived by a code. The only people who should kill are the ones prepared to be killed. Oh boy, we're talking about none other, our boy Lelouch Lamprouche. Lelouch v. Britannia. Wow, okay, this is a big character we're I adding know, to there. Wow, so... Code Geass Lelouch, our main character, who is a, we're introduced as a student at part of Ashford Academy. He's a brilliant thinker and is quite talented at chess, I would say. And we know he is swept up very quickly into the conflict between Britannia and the pockets of resistance that we find throughout all of um, Japan and 
eventually boards a truck being used by Japanese resistance operatives where they're having C2 is being held there and changes his life forever, giving him the power of kings, the mythical power of Gias. Yeah, wow. And, and and everything else after that is like history. So with that, I think this is a great character to add and it's going to be quite interesting to review. So Lelouch, great character in terms of I like his, I mean, man, where to begin so much. I love characters like Lelouch. I'll just say that where he's very cold and calculating, always the type of like commander being able to see all the pieces on the chessboard. And I think that's the reason why I also really like uh, Legend of the Galactic Heroes because you get a lot of that too. Maybe that is like evil maniacal, maniacal at, at times where Lelouch is like willing to get whatever it takes to get done to complete his mission. But uh, I do like these types of archetypes of the characters. And I think Code Geass does benefit too for being such a long series as well that we do get the softer side of Lelouch and his his relationship with his family and with the student council too, his friends, which... Uh, you know, is more prominent, obviously, in the first season and then the second season once he's, I don't know, what would you say, put in jail or whatever by his father. Not in jail, because I know he uses the kid's the, own power to kind of try to erase his memory, and he's kind of, like, put on a watch list, essentially. But uh, he's, he's put in check. His secret's out. But absolutely fantastic character. What are your thoughts, too? Oh, absolutely. I agree with all of that. A character I've always loved, character that I definitely feel very strongly about very passionate about you know we see him like you said you know we see all sides of Lelouch by the time that that story is done we see his cold demeanor and at first he does just kind of come across as a little bit of a of a dick you know certainly if you've watched like Death Note before this he definitely has a lot of shades of light in him he definitely has that more egomaniacal side to himself and you think that's kind of all there is to him but then you know we see him have that conflict of really loving Suzaku but also knowing that Suzaku is on the other side of what needs to happen and he you know he loves Shirley and he unfortunately can't he can't save her and he really feels really strongly about that we do see Lelouch really have a strong emotional impact because of the loss of Shirley. And so we see, again, all sides of him. And I, again, would say incredibly justified and incredibly heroic and incredibly brave. And I'm sorry, Steve. I open up the bidding at number one. Number one, Roy Mustang. Who sacrifices Ooh. more? If, if we're putting up a best boy, that's someone who's there for their friends. That's someone who's there giving their all. And who gives more than Lelouch? Lelouch, but at the same time, is responsible for the death of Shirley's father and also for accidentally making Princess Yuffie go on a you know, genocidal rampage in that theater and kill everyone on there. So, I agree that Lelouch's goals are very lofty, where he wants to bring all the hate of the world onto himself so he can be released with his own death. But 
he breaks a lot of hearts along the way. Does Roy Mustang also do that too? I would say no. He doesn't break hearts, but Roy Mustang did take part in the basically the the genocidal massacre of, of Ishbal. So <laughs> that is true too. So these both characters do have their own faults. <laughs> but are they ultimately successful in the end? Both are I would say I yes. would say both. Yes, yes. Uh, Roy Mustang's able to defeat Lust is like I guess the main character he's up against at the at the end. And uh in Brotherhood, I don't remember the the, the first series who says like who who he's up against there. Is it Lust too? I don't know. We don't have to look it up right now. I just remember the I just remember listen, I just remember him showing off those sexy abs with the lighter and just saying burn right there with like with lust and just blasting her with fire right there. Great scene. Um, and then he gets like really hurt and he's in the hospital afterwards, but tries, but is part of the coup to overthrow the Fuhrer. Uh, so he, he definitely has his work cut out for him. He, he, he's definitely active. He's, he's no slouch. He's doing his best. I mean, Roy Mustang does love dogs. Does, does, does Lush like, does, does he like that cat that steals his uh, helmet? I don't, I don't think know. So. I don't, Listen, I don't we got to nip, so. we're, we're going so. for number one. We got to look at every angle. Does this character like dogs or not? I don't, I don't think we really see him interact outside of the cat, but you know, that's, <laughs> no. I, you, I don't know. You No, but seriously too. Okay. So both characters definitely, I would say tactical geniuses, I think. It is just tough because we we have to compare their character personalities, their traits, and who would like to have a beer with at the end too. Both of them, probably yes. I'd, I'd have a beer with either. It's true. You, you very different evenings and very different conversations, but I I think a good time from both. Do you think Lelouch should be now? If you're going to have some food with Lelouch, is he going? Are you going to know him as? Uh, Zero, like you know who he is, or student council version of Lelouch, where he's all friendly. And I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to hang out with Zero for okay. sure. But I like student council Lelouch as well. Again, just two different vibes. But would I, I see this is where I feel the difference. I feel like if you're gonna meet with Zero, you are not gonna be good enough to be worth his time to talk about, talk to, unless you have some sort of use. Do you have plan. a use for Lelouch, your emperor, 99th Emperor Britannia? Absolutely. I'm. I'm. I mean, if I, I, you're with Dietheart. You're, you're exactly. That that's what I'm saying. Is that I, I am I, the, the character in anime that I am closest to and relate to the most is Dietheart from Code Geass. That is me, baby. That is me in a nutshell. Not really, but, but I do love him. And someday he'll be on this list too. But he's not going to be this high though. No. But. Yeah, I would certainly be of use as his propagandist. I would absolutely be Zero's like propagandist, just like DNR. That'd be great. So, be great wh- job. why do you? But think, I wouldn't betray him. Why do you? No, never, never betray Lucius. Why do you think Lucius is better than Roy Mustang? I just think Lelouch. There's there's so much more conflict there. You know, there's there's so much that he's grappling with that Lelouch chooses the harder path and Lelouch chooses to take on for himself. He didn't have to, he didn't have to take this on for himself. He could have just used the Gios to like, I don't know, just have some fun as a teenager who could tell people what he wanted them to do. But he, he, he chose to take on the world and he chose 
to save everyone. And again, there's so much in there that he has to grapple with. It's not easy. It's not easy being Lelouch. It all falls apart at the end, too, for him. Almost. Or actually almost falls apart. There's, there's certainly a many, many times throughout the entire wow, series. Of... Was it Rolo? Hate that. Hate oh, Ro- I like Rolo, though. Rolo gets a Put lot of Put him at the like bottom him. of this list. We may no get a twofer. No way. No way. hate Rolo. Rolo. Rolo's fine. He's a nice kid. Yeah, no, he's not. The only reason it fall, almost falls apart at the end is because freaking Nunnally just won't do what her brother Just says. give him give the him scepter. The, give him the sword of Damocles. What are you doing? Why are you sitting there acting all holier than thou? Lelouch is going to save everyone. I'm trying to think if there'd be a, 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 a wee weekly controversy if we put Lelouch as number one. I'm trying to see the reaction we do for that where Lelouch... I'm trying to think of, like, the entire show. And, like, does Lelouch do anything also heinous and terrible that I should definitely bring up that would preclude him from being the number one spot? Being such a uh, – going above such a great boy as uh, Roy Mustang? Other than accidentally getting Shirley, Shirley's father killed and, and, and Yuffie, you know, ordering her to kill civilians? Accidentally. Yeah, accidentally. It was an accident. It was an accident. I, I mean, it happens to all it. of us. happens to all of us. Yuffie almost, they were about to team up. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he, does he do some bad things? Yeah, he does. I would say he does more bad things than Roy Mustang. Sure. Is that the guess of being all, a good for the boy greater, is to do good things? It's all for things. the greater good. It's all for the do greater good. Do good things to be a good boy? It's all part of the plan, Steve. It's all part of the plan. I'm, it's all for the greater good. I'm okay with Lush being a number two. Not going to sway you? No tough just because of that slight i don't know he sends people to their death. doesn't he do that whole thing with that the avalanche yeah and the in the boats like well, he causes the avalanche uh yeah and he takes hostage i don't know i yeah, feel he like takes i understand hostages on the boat yeah he, he i understand it's all for a greater plan but i just feel like i can't overlook that that sometimes he may go too far a little bit but I know it's all services, but above Yusuke, uh, yeah. I mean, if you just want to watch the world die, man, if you just want to let the world be ruled by Britannia forever. Roy Mustang can fix it. <sighs> all right. All right. I'll take it. I'll take it, okay. number two. I'll take it, number, number two. Number two. That's a high one. That is a high one. That's the, that's, the, that's the biggest change we've had in a minute, probably since Roy Mustang was added many weeks yeah. ago. Whew. Yeah, that was contentious. Lelouch was right, though. Never forget, people. Never forget. And if you haven't watched Good Gias, what are you doing? One of the best endings to, like, literally any property or any story ever. But let us remind you of our new top ten, because it has honestly been a second since someone's even cracked the top ten. So let's give you a rundown of that. Number one, retaining the spot. Can he be stopped? Roy Mustang from Full Metal Alchemist. Number two is now Lelouch v. Britannia from Code Geass. Number three, Yusuke from Yu Yu Hakusho. Number four, Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop. Number five, Kuabara from Yu Yu Hakusho. Number six, Gon from Hunter Hunter. Number seven, Hide from Tokyo Ghoul. Still in the top ten. That's right, Hide. Number eight, Hyakimaru from Dororo. Number nine, Ryuji Kaji from Evangelion. And number ten, Kurama from Yu Yu Hakusho. Kirito falling out of the top ten. And go into number 11. Yeah. Didn't stay there long. That's fine. Asuna's still number two. Love Asuna so much. Probably will stay there for quite a long time. Maybe. 
Maybe maybe next week. Whoa. Got some. I mean, have have we mixed it up? I don't think we have mixed up with a high high hitter because I wouldn't expect Nino at number five. Yeah, yeah. So maybe next week. Last time, last time, yeah. Nino was the last real heavy hitter to to get into the wife. Sorry, Fate Day Night fans. Rin Tosica, Nino is the better. Sinandre, she does better use of that trait. It's true. But then we've got Oscar right above Nino, so kind of the the quintessential. Sundere right there. Too. I mean, but that that's I mean that that is that is the quintessential one, so. yes. Whew. That took a lot out of me. I mean, just thinking about Lelouch takes a lot out of me because again Did you you know, uh speaking of all this too, Callie shared a, a great idea that maybe we can revisit when we get a list high enough to actually make a tournament arc <laughs> of these characters Whoa. actually fighting each other that like who would win an actual fight that actually would be great we should do that soon actually i think we've got enough people that we i think when we get to like maybe 25 of each we'll we'll put an arc uh oh we put the guys and the girls together I think so. Yeah. I think oh, that, well, certainly some of the girls. Mikasa's going to be taken yeah, out. Let, let's like, some, oh, of the, <laughs> some of the waifus here. Sorry, Arma Kyosuke. Yeah, it's not going to help you against Mikasa. Oh, that would be, yes, please random number generator that ASAP and let us get it. That is fantastic. I'm very excited about that idea because you're right. Like, let's get freaking Asuna up against, like, Hinata from Haikyuu. It's like, <laughs> Hinata, you're great at volleyball. You're dead. You're dead, you're son. Dead. <laughs> like... <laughs> you're being knocked out in the first two seconds. But at the same time, characters are at the bottom. Lucy and Misa probably can probably put up a fight against some other people. <laughs> Kathleen could probably beat someone, depending on who she's up against. <laughs> Recon? Yeah, maybe. Kathleen could probably be Recon. She could beat Kosei, probably. Poor Shoko. Shoko Nishima. She's oh, oh, Shoko's going, no. Shoko's oh, not lasting long in this tournament. Oh, no. She, she's too sweet. We'll go up against maybe, I, maybe the person who goes up against Shoko. Okay, we're doing this for real. This is fantastic. <laughs> the person who goes up against Shoko might just be like, you're so precious. I can't. I just they they She wins by pure default because the other person's well, just like, I can't attack this utter sweetness of a human being we'd have to also come up with the rules like is this like an octagon battle like are you going in and like this is a fight to the death or is it a fight to like the first person taps out like this would ash catch him <laughs> kill kill <Shoko> Nishima? <laughs> i don't think he would be able to do it <laughs> well those are the discussions we'll have to have this is going to be uh, a multi-parter jeez oh yeah that'd be great be great. Great, su- great suggestion by Callie too that's fantastic we'll have, to, we'll have to think on this and see how it'll be structured but I endorse it. We should we should do something like this. I love it. Love it. That does bring us to an end of another episode of Weeb Weekly, though. So, I will, of course, tell you that if you'd like to throw someone, if you want to see someone go up against someone crazy, like, if you got a suggestion for that, if you're like, you know who I would love to see fight Shoko Nishimiya from a silent voice? X person here? Submit them our way. Let's get some let's get some grudge matches going on right now. And you can of course reach out and be a part of the show by reaching out to us at weebweeklypodcast at gmail.com. Other than that, Steve, where can people find you at? You can find me at Save Cosplay on Twitter and at Save Point Cosplay on Instagram. And you can find me at Joe Reese VO on all social media platforms. 
And now, of course, we come to Steve's Hot Take, our customary ending where Steve gives you a nice, steaming hot take with zero context and zero explanation, and that is just the end of the show. So, without further ado, Steve, what's your hot take? Naruto, why are you always pining over Sakura in the beginning? Hinata absolutely loves you. You know this from the beginning. It's so clear and obvious to the audience She's definitely the best waifu above soccer. Whatever I add her, definitely going above there. Hinata's, I'm glad it ends in the right choice, but boy, it took you a long time getting there for, for from the show. Love Hinata. She is the best waifu in Naruto. Naruto, open up your eyes. You should have seen it earlier. Thank you and good night. <laughs>